Welcome to a milestone episode of Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee, the podcast where we take a unique look at the business of sports, sometimes irreverent, sometimes cynical, and on occasion, even serious. I'm your co-host, David Paro. And I'm Tim McGee. So, Tim, we made it to 20 episodes without a week miss. That, my friend, is cause for acknowledgement, but uh, I don't think we'll rest on our laurels and there really are no laurels to rest upon. <laughs> uh, but before I have you get the show going, I do want to congratulate you and the Big Red of Cornell uh, for the win against uh, the Delaware Blue Hens and earning a spot to play for the national championship uh, this Memorial Day weekend. I mean, I mean, I just, two games you'd have to win to win the national championship, of course. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. They played really well. I thought that was... Uh... I've watched a lot of their games this year. I think they really pulled together all aspects of the game, more so than they probably had in any other game in the past. And, you know, the goalie play was phenomenal. Attack play continued to be phenomenal. Um, and then uh, and their faceoff guy, uh, you know, won the overwhelming majority of faceoffs, which is which is huge. So now they now they take on the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers, uh, which is a storied program, but surprisingly has never made the Final Four in lacrosse and it'll be an interesting matchup um the cursed brothers the goalie on uh on rutgers um who's a grad student and then uh, cj cursed who was ivy league freshman of the year rookie of the year this year will be going at it so it's kind of going to be like their their backyard back in new jersey with their mom watching up in the stands so it'll be i, I interesting do have to, to see i do have to tell you one of the disturbing things coming out is is uh, the broadcast was talking about the dominance of the big 10 and i'm thinking I know Maryland, how good Maryland is, and and they're the overall number one. Um, and I'm and I'm still I'm still having a hard time with the fact that uh, they're in the Big Ten and and Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Um, as an ACC guy myself, I, I still I was very disappointed in that move. Anyway, well, um, listen, kind of hearing dominance of Big Ten lacrosse just seemed odd. Well, so so uh, listen, uh, Maryland is is easily the team to beat right they they have had a phenomenal year but you've got four teams playing this weekend two are in the ivy league two are from the big 10 you had five ivy league teams that made the tournament out of seven uh so if you're going to talk about dominance of conference yeah um, i think that that discussion begins and then with the ivy league and i will just say one more thing you have to keep in mind that the ivy league was playing this spring for the first time in nearly two years. So uh, there was a great unknown with how those teams were going to respond and, and play. And, uh, you know, to have five of the seven teams make the tournament is, is unbelievable in any year, but particularly in this year. And, and, and as we all know, the one true Big Ten team that was in the tournament got crushed by the Big Red. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, Rutgers and, and, and Maryland uh, are, are big 10 in name only, right? They yeah. yeah. Be, I, I mean, we should always say, be ACC should, and big, big East right. schools. Yeah. We shouldn't, we shouldn't probably say that it has been long enough, but it just still sounded so funny um, to hear them talk about that. Okay. Now we'll really get the show going. Tim, what's on your All mind? Right. So, so sometimes our timing is not so fortuitous, right? So we, we recorded last Tuesday uh uploaded the the episode 19 on on wednesday morning or late tuesday night um because you never sleep uh and then uh and then the next day we heard about the the uh historic agreement in u.s soccer 
um, where the two sides have come together in a true pay equity deal, which is a watershed moment for uh, gender equity in sports, um, for the soccer world writ large, and, and for society in general. I, th- I just think it was uh, phenomenal. And uh, let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. Yeah, it really, it really was big. And, you know, we had have had conversations about the the basic settlement and the idea that a collective bargaining uh, agreement and getting to this point was that next step. And it was mm-hmm. a, a somewhat left undone when we talked about um, the settlement of the deal and bringing um, some pay equity uh, to the situation. And this was that final piece that a lot of people didn't think would get uh, get there. So um, no, and nor you know. nor did I. At the very least, I didn't see it coming this quickly, right? Because the men's side did have to acquiesce and and uh, agree to to certain things, um, because they have their own collective bargaining agreement. So you know, kudos to them. But you know, just just a couple of data points here. In 2018, France won the men's World Cup and uh, got 38 million dollars in winnings. Uh, the next year, the U.S. women's national team won again, um, and they received four million. So, almost you know, France makes almost ten times, nine and a half times as much as as the women's side did for the for the championship for the for hoisting the the, the World Cup trophy. You do cover all math subjects on this show, by the way. You're you're a math <laughs> expert. You're a quick math expert. <laughs> Um, which, which is good because I, I would have, I would have completely choked on that quick math in my head. Um, yeah, listen, a lot of people that take credit for this when we had David Wright on the show, not too long ago, uh, he spoke about how important, uh, this, uh, aspect of it was and achieving, um, achieving equity and being a leader on it. And I think that's what we've seen from the players on both sides now, right? Players mm-hmm. on, um, Ooh, God, that sounded weird, didn't it? Um, uh, um, on the women's and the men's side, um, you know, trying making this happen, leadership on both sides and obviously uh, leadership from uh, um, from U.S. soccer right. uh, president uh, Cindy Parlo Cohn. So uh, a lot of um, a lot of praise to go around uh, and well deserved, and I think it sets up hopefully great for a, a World Cup this year on the men's side, and uh, uh, you know, and then and then future continued strength on the women's side as well. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, right? I can't wait till that day after Thanksgiving, right? Stand online with the throngs of people outside Walmart to save $10 on a 50-inch TV and bring it home to watch U.S. versus England. Right. right. And I'm only kidding. I do not <laughs> I do not believe in Black Friday, unless it's a Steely Dan song. Yeah, yeah, off of their, off of my favorite Steely Dan album, for sure. Oh, um, mine as well. Katie yeah, lied for Katie those Lied. Of you. Tremendous. Again, we uh, our musical reference tend to be a, <laughs> a little dated for our younger viewers. But uh, if you haven't heard of Steely Dan, they're a group that uh, formed in in New York right. at Bard College. Um, and they were friends with Chevy Chase. That's right. He drummed with them originally. Right. Unbelievable the amount of stuff you learn on this show. Yeah. yeah. And Ricky, famous from Ricky, don't lose that number recently passed away oh wow yeah Yeah. we are getting old wow there you go well you know listen and not to bring this and not to make this about me which i have a tendency (laughs) to do but the my the band i play in the fez is named after the steely dan song the fez uh just ain't uh, gonna do it without the fez on that's right that's right 
Well, listen, I wanted to talk a bit about the PGA Championship. And I got to tell you something. After our last episode, when we were talking about Phil Mickelson not participating, not defending, I got a text from a friend of mine in L.A. that's a regular listener to the show. I'm going to acknowledge him here. His name is Peter Barker, and he's a great guy. And he very quickly said, trivia question for you. The last time that a major winner wasn't back to defend was 2008 when Tiger had won the U.S. Open basically on one leg in that uh, in that marathon match against uh, Rocco Mediate where he had to play a full 18 and then go into sudden death, and he won mm-hmm. at Torrey Pines, meaning he Tiger had won the 2007 PGA but wasn't able to play uh, in the 2008 because of the injury um, that he won the U.S. Open on at Torrey Pines earlier in the year. So that was the trivia question. Thank you, Peter, for letting us know that and setting us straight. But moving on. So Justin Thomas wins. In March, we had Norb Gambuza of the PGA Tour on, and we all predicted our winners of the Masters. Uh, he picked Justin Thomas. I picked Will Zalatoris. You picked um, Rory McIlroy. So once again, all three of those guys ended up in the top 10. I know you tried to claim victory um, because <laughs> Rory finished top at the Masters, but I think we should be playing by skins rules since it is golf. And it rolls over since none of us won. So after trash talking Norb, I think we got to give him his props. JT won. Will Zalatoris did finish second. Um, and uh, and third, I'm sorry, where did Will? Where did Will Zalatoris go? Will Zalatoris happened to play at Wake Forest, and That's the guy right. that finished and tied for third um, uh, with Mito Pereira, who had an absolute Vandeveld level meltdown on 18. I feel so bad for the guy. Yeah. Um, uh, Cameron Young uh, finished in a tie for third, and Will and Cameron were teammates and roommates at Wake Forest. So uh, just letting people know that the Wake Forest golf lineage doesn't end at Arnold Palmer. It continues to be very <laughs> strong. So the ratings were down a little bit, uh, about 5.2, 5.3 million viewers for the final round. Listen, it didn't feature Tiger. Um, that doesn't help. Uh, but it seemed like things would set up for a pretty uh, pretty good final final day because uh, it was close. But but you know JT's performance was great. He comes from five shots back and ends up winning the thing in a playoff. But I tell you what, the coolest thing that Justin Thomas did was not win the PGA. It was call out the ridiculous beer pricing uh, yeah. <laughs> at Southern Hills early on in the tournament, eighteen dollars uh, and I think nineteen for an import uh, Stella. So eighteen and nineteen, which just cracks me up. Uh, 18 for a Michelob light, 19 for a Stella. Um, Augusta sells beer at $5 domestic or import. So give me a break. Yeah. And I love the fact that just pimento cheese Justin sandwiches, called, yeah. I believe are two or three dollars. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're two or three, but so, so yeah, yeah. give me, and, a, and, give uh, me a break. Both, both, uh, Mito and Zalatoris had really, uh, uh, really polished post round interviews. Um, kudos to them. Um, I, I just thought that, you know, I thought they, they, they personified grace, um, in a very difficult moment for both of them. Um, yeah, I think so it's, kudos to both those guys. I think it suggests that the tour is in pretty good hands, um, in terms of the quality of the players, uh, and their ability to handle the moment. Uh, cause I, I agree with you. It was a, it was a great show that way, by the way, I thought Justin Thomas was way older than 29 years old. Um, he feels like he's been around for a while, but he's still kind yeah. of a young gun, I guess. So when uh, he got his uh, card when he was ten, yeah. Um, uh, so hats on. Well, his dad had him playing, you know, uh, right. obviously at a ridiculously uh, uh, young age. 
But uh, another interesting story, there were two golfers that weren't wearing the patch that they usually wear. Um, and that is uh, Lee Westwood and Louis Oosthuizen, two great golfers, uh, uh, Louis from South Africa and uh, Lee Westwood, of course, from England, um, that lost their sponsorship because of their um, dabbling in uh, or, or plans to play on the Live Golf Tour. And, um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons that could have gone into these decisions, of course. So we don't want to say it's necessarily just because of that. But it certainly does show that this issue with Live Golf, between Live Golf and the PGA Tour uh, and the European Tour, um, has some potential ramifications and uh, will give some re- will give a lot of reasons for sponsors of these guys. In the case of Lee West- Westwood, 14 years he's been with UPS. Mm-hmm. He's worn, he's had him on his bag and he's had him on his uh, on his chest. Um, uh, loses that partnership. Um, so uh, it will be interesting to see what else happens and what other conversations uh, sponsors are having with players that are thinking about this. These besides Phil, these are the two biggest names that we know of. So, um, yeah, and neither and none of those three players are at the prime of their career. Let's be honest here. So, while there may be a sponsor that's willing to take UPS's place, you know, Westwood's not going to get the kind of dollars he got when he was, you know, on a leaderboard more often than not 14 years ago when that deal started. Right. I agree with you, but but these guys. These guys are up on leaderboards at majors more than you'd think. I mean, Louis not certainly not at his prime, but he his swing is still absolutely you know jaw droppingly beautiful, uh, and they they do seem to come out for the big events at least um, where they're on the leaderboard, if not on Sunday at some point during it. So it's not as though they're complete you know afterthoughts in a tournament. I agree <laughs> with you; they're not you know they're not they're not at their absolute you know heyday when they were in their in their listen and and it's it's quite possible that they will find replacement sponsors right um but just as they have the right to make a decision where they want to play brands have the rights to associate or affiliate with those athletes that they feel embody the brand attributes and 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 the uh sort of the things that are important to that brand now Two things can be true at once, right? It could be an excuse to save money as well as a statement about not supporting a decision to play in a golf entity that's backed by Saudi money. Um, we don't know. And we, you know, we'll probably never know. I, I just know that if I'm advising a brand right now, um, I would think long and hard about the cost benefit analysis of being affiliated with a player who's, who's playing in live golf. Yeah, you raised some some really good points, and these are things that you and I have dealt with over uh, over our careers for sure. My my philosophy has always been this, especially when an agent says, uh, you know, tries to get a contract in front of you that says that you have the right to get out if they, you know, are if they are convicted of a felony. I'm like, I'm not waiting till someone's yes. convicted of a felony before I'm making a decision to pull out. So what's important? Because your brand's important. It's not a it's not a legal situation at this point. We all believe in due process. Um, that's that's the system. Everybody is is able and should be able to go through due process if something bad has. We're not saying any of these things raise to that level. But the fact is, all that a brand marketer and an agency that supports a brand marketer should worry about is is there is there potential damage to the brand. Um, yeah. There is no doubt that these situations do 
help make it easy to review. So the idea that a situation happens and you say, hmm, this thing is coming up anyways. We weren't sure we'd be able to renew. It's a fairly easy out. Absolutely, that ha- that happens. Uh, and we see it uh, We see it a fair amount. Uh, I will tell you this. It's interesting because Justin Thomas uh, last year had a situation where he lost a long-term sponsor in uh, in the polo brand uh, that he wore. Um, because of a, because of a homophobic slur that he said on the course and it got picked up and, uh, he did it. His apology was one of the better ones that you'll hear, but he lost the brand. And I think he under understood it. Um, some people were upset about them, them like, why would you do that for just that? Or he didn't do anything. He didn't break a law. It doesn't matter. Brands have to assess, uh, you know, what their brand stands for. And, and, and those decisions in some respects should end up being easy. Nike famously stood with Tiger. Uh, through all the scandal when everybody else ran away. And I think uh, over time that proved to be a wise one because well, they were with him at the beginning and they they hung in, in with him. Well, if you look at the two brands that did stay with him through that, they were EA and and Nike, both of whom he had equity positions in, in their respective companies, or at least in, you know, lines of, right, with the, the, the Tiger Woods golf game and, and the Tiger Woods line of, clothing at Nike. So again, two things can be true, right? You can support somebody uh, because you feel they're worthy of your support, um, but also do it for business reasons as well. But yes, I I mean, I I like to say that, um, you know, with very few exceptions, um, athletes can be redeemed in in the public's eye and in sponsor's eyes, right? You're never going to see OJ Simpson running through an airport for, for Avis again. Uh, but other than that, you know, even look at what happened with Kobe Bryant and the accusations of sexual assault back in Colorado. Uh, even he was redeemed um, and, and won back, you know, all his sponsors and then some. I remember doing an interview on the Kobe situation and, and my feeling was, listen, they yes, you got to follow the news and you take a look at it. But as, as a brand, you have to see what's the what's the potential damage, weigh what the downside is if it goes to the worst case scenario look at the upside if you stay with them or the downside if you stay with them and and make decisions on what you think is best for the brand. I mean, they can be they can be hard decisions, they can be easy decisions depending on how serious uh things are, but all you have to weigh against at that point is nothing to do with the legal proceedings at all. It's it's what's the, you know, what is this going to do or can do to my brand good or bad and make your decision based on that. 99 times out of 100, the path of least resistance is simply to cut ties with the athlete, right? Because there are other athletes who can represent your brand. I was once asked by a client, what's the worst thing that can happen, um, you know, if you sign an athlete? And I said, well, the the worst thing that can happen is, you know, an OJ Simpson type situation. Um, But I said, you know, what it really comes down to is if you're if if the athlete that's endorsing your brand winds up on the front page rather than the back page. That's what you've always got to be worried about. You know, there was a time there was a time several years ago where there was, you know, a number of NFL players who were accused of uh, sexual assault and other things. There was a time back around 20, 15, 20 years ago when there were a number of basketball players who were getting into into trouble, whether it was, you know, having children out of wedlock and not supporting the mothers or, you know, being being caught getting in trouble at at strip clubs or, or whatever, whatever it happens to be. By and large, those issues have gone away. And, and yes, they do still happen. But I think the commissioners and the Players Association in, in the various leagues have you know, imparted upon those, those players the importance of, of uh, what it is they do and how they comport themselves 
you're going to have bad apples in every walk of life. Um, you're going to have people who don't always toe the line and don't always do the right thing. Um, but those guys are held to a higher standard. And as a brand, um, you know, you've always got to be careful. What's the up, like to your point, what's the upside versus the downside in getting involved with, with athletes. Good show to be talking about, uh, this type of brand marketing and this type of sponsorship and endorsement as uh, our guest today is uh, comes from the brand side. So we're excited about that. Check in on or talk about uh, before we head to the guest segment. Yeah, just real quick. There is a bill that's moving through the California legislature right now. And, and uh, I know that California is often leads the way in social issues and other, other sort of, uh, gas prices yeah <laughs> but uh th there's a bill going through their legislature that would require uh university athletic departments to share revenue with the athletes um so it would in a very real way create a pay for play model for uh for these athletes so taking it beyond where we are with the whole opportunity for student athletes to to uh to benefit from their name image and likeness to actually getting a piece of the pie, which in the case of, you know, some of those schools out on the West Coast in California, when you look at some of those Pac-12 schools, is a significant amount of revenue that comes through the program. Very interesting development, obviously. And the, the question would be, if the schools are uh, mandated to do this, how does that affect other things that are forming in terms of um, uh, you know, collectives and NILs, uh, that way, is it, uh, is it the minimum or people still able to get, uh, their own, you know, marketing NIL deals. So I, I, you know, you're right. I mean, California is a bit of a, uh, laboratory for, for such things. Um, you know, I know that the, the powers that be on the conference level and the NCAA level, uh, are still, you know, fighting the fight that, says we can't have these people have these players these student athletes uh be treated as employees because that opens up a can of worms and and they continue to use the language of um why it's better for them not to be treated that way but i haven't heard what the answer is by the way um or the reasons just the saying of of it's better um but yeah no this would be uh, uh this would be uh, interesting. Obviously, it would change what the whole financial mix is. It would factor into all future deals on the television and sponsorship side. Uh, it would change, you know, all of the models of the, uh, you know, the, of the multimedia rights uh, sellers uh, like Learfield and so forth. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I'm a very curious uh, bill to follow. Um, I think there is some r realistic reason to push back on that because the term pay to play is what they're trying to stop with the collectives, right? That mm -hmm. this, this money is going out uh, potentially in advance or an inducement rather than what the original intent of, of NIL was supposed to be. Yeah. As they say in, uh, as they say in the media, um, watch this space. Watch, right? Yeah. I think there'll right. be a lot more going on. Right. All right. Well, let's take a uh, let's let's head out and uh, we're going to come back with your guests. And instead of the us usual music that you might hear as we um, as we go to our guest segment, we're going to be treated to a little of give my regards to Davey. 
Thank you. Wait, by the way, before we actually break, I want to say that that I think it's great that that Cornell uses such a classic show tune as a uh, as its as its fight song. I as mean, a as so, a fight song. There's as, there are right, many. I know. I know. Uh, We're going to have to get you up to a Cornell hockey game next winter. That is a collegiate sports experience. I, I, I would love to do that. That will be a road trip. We can find a place to do the podcast. We'll, get, uh, we'll ask Coach Schaefer if he's willing to do the podcast. All right. Hang with us, guys. We'll be right back with our guest. So let's welcome our guest today, David. We've got uh, somebody who's had a long and storied career in sponsorships. Mike McCann has had stops at some brands you might have heard of, like Pepsi, Heineken, Harley-Davidson, Intel. He's now in the sponsorship group at Amazon, um, and they're starting to make a splash in the sponsorship space. So we're really happy to have our friend Mike McCann on today. Mike, welcome to Wait What? Hey, guys. Great to be here. Good to see you, Mike. So, Mike, let's get right into it. You Historically, Amazon has not done a lot in the partnership space. But when you did get into it, you got into it in a big way. You did a naming rights deal for the venue in Seattle. That's the home of the Kraken. Um, but you did something a little bit unique, right? You did not put the Amazon name on the building. You called it the Climate Pledge Arena. So, Take That's us right. through take us through the the strategy and the thought process of taking what is you know your first truly major investment in sponsorships as far as I know I'm, I could be wrong but um, and sort of zigging where everybody else would have zagged. Sure thing, um, yeah, and you, you're right as far as our our relationship with sponsorships has been. Um, you know, we we don't we have eschewed them uh, in the past. Wait, over wait, what? 20... wait what? <laughs> what? Eschewed? Damn, I was, I was, uh, I was hoping Dave was going to jump on that um, eschew wow. comment. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> um, David. You know, we got a we got a Georgetown and U University of Michigan grad here. He's putting us to shame. With words. He's dropping the vocab on us right off the yeah. bat. He he worked I'm that right I'm into his first answer. Yeah, yeah. nice. Boom, just getting started. The deep end. So back to eschewing. Um, yeah, we uh, we've really we were skeptical for for uh, a couple of our first few decades of sponsorship for several reasons. One is uh, the the age old difficulty um, of measurement, right? The ROI ROI is something that Amazon, uh, you know, we're measurement obsessed. Uh, we're data hounds and uh, there wasn't a comfort level in being able to say this is what is this is what this investment is bringing back to us. Secondly, uh, I would say that most of our media throughout our, our again first 15, 16 years was mid uh, and low funnel, and it's really been in the last couple of years that we've been uh, doing more up upper funnel awareness driving, perception driving. Uh, 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 enter 
um, endeavors. And so as we are, like, as you probably know, huge advertisers, uh, we see a sponsorship as kind of the next frontier to look at to be able to not only drive the business, but look at uh, ways to move people's perceptions about what Amazon is all about. So which brings us to about two years ago, well, two and a half years ago, uh, we had started uh, uh, or formed a a uh, an organization, or I should say, a, a, a commitment uh, of a community of companies called Climate Pledge, which was a consortium of companies saying, "Hey, let's band together and commit to reaching net zero carbon by 2040, which is 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement's goal of 2050." And that was really at the same time that our friends at Oakview Group. Uh, we're planning this beautiful new uh, high-tech arena in uh, downtown Seattle. They were obviously knocking on the usual suspects' doors. You got Microsoft there. You got Amazon, um, Boeing's um, out, out by us. And Jeff Bezos was actually involved, and he was just like, absolutely not. We would never put our name on a building. And you know, I've I've lived here for three three months now, and out here in Seattle. And you know, the last thing we need is is awareness or a sign of providence for the the company. Um, everyone knows we're here. Um, we we tend to be very customer obsessed, and we didn't see that as being customer obsessed. So we thought, hey, you know what? This could be an incredible way to make a bold statement, not only from an industry standpoint that you know of naming. Being the first arena to name, uh, to be named for a cause as opposed to a company, but a great way to launch and get some visibility for the climate pledge itself. Uh, thanks for taking us through that. I do want to talk specifically about the uh, arena a little further here. Um, you just, I think, we're in New York to uh, see Climate Pledge Arena win the Sports Business Award for Facility of the Year. Um, yes. Uh, and because because Climate Pledge is part of a, a, an organization, and now that it's on such a substantial building that now has this added um, kind of acknowledgement from winning the award, what do you think the building and what it is that you're trying to do there collectively with Oakview Group um, means for the future of arenas? So I, I think the I think you're just seeing the beginning and. I think we made it together, and we could not have done this with Oakview Group. Um, you know, they could have left left us off and and said it would have been easy to put the climate pledge on the crown signage and then say, "Hey, it's an awareness play." But what we did, what was what they agreed to take on with us was, um, you know, the story. I, I wish more people knew the <laughs> the depth of of what the story is there and what actually went into it. Um, a couple of, I just wanted to mention a couple of things that I, that, um, you know, one little anecdote, which is telling, and there are tons of these, are that OVG had already laid the, uh, the gas lines in the bowels of the building. And, um, and I can see Tim about to say uh, in his best Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> he said he bowels. Said bowels. <laughs> um, so uh, for those listening at home, both of these guys smiled when I said that. Um, but uh, anyway, 
anyway, they laid the gas lines and we said, hey, listen, if we're going to, if, if this is going to be, you know, have a net zero carbon uh, moniker on top or, or, or a commitment, then we've got to walk the talk. And it's got to be run 100% on renewable energy, wind, solar, and through a combination of literally tearing out the gas lines and in some cases just leaving them as a mummified relic you know they're sitting there today unused um and that was a real testament to uh to them uh saying we're all in to the point where you know and this is really the lead with the leadership of tim lywicki the ceo of of oakview group you know he has taken this he fell so in love with this that He's taken it to UBS Arena out uh, where you guys are, where the Islanders play. You'll you know, they've got Co-op Live, which is being built in Manchester, uh, England. Which a little um, little trivia that Harry Styles is a uh, is not only a uh, an investor in that, he's also dreamy. Um, I got to see him at <laughs> I got to see him at UBS Arena. Um, but what what you're seeing is i think ovg is kind of leading this but one of the things that is important is that uh it's not an all or nothing we went we almost did kind of the and then now i'm really gonna i was a philosophy major so this i would say climate pledge arena is the platonic form of a sustainable arena and um however you can do several things whether it's zero waste eliminating single-use plastics, um, low-flow uh, water and renewable water, sourcing uh, sourcing food and beverage within uh, a 300-mile radius. There's just a list of about 14 things that Climate Pledge Arena is ticking the box on that it, it can be like a Chinese menu for other arenas to take that step because not everyone is A, building from the ground up, like right. like climate pledge arena and not everyone frankly has the patience or the budget to to go that far but you can still take a step in the right direction so tell us a little bit about how you achieve business objectives or marketing objectives through your leveraging of the sponsorship of the arena and, and the team you know so do you do anything that's traditional right in terms of leveraging that sponsorship we like to think that everything we do is non-traditional and uh, more creative. Um, you know, just to start, actually, this might be on the more traditional side. On the B2B side, um, there, there is AWS is, um, you know, we have a thing called an EBC, the Executive Business Center, where AWS invites in um, uh, potential clients to run through um their offerings and it's it's been a great hospitality um play for aws for on the on our sustainability groups side we have over 300 so this is again um, coming up to just about two and a half three years old the, the pledge itself we have over 300 companies that are signatories now and you know sizable mercedes-benz pepsi horizon um so it's a great place to bring uh, potential signatories and showcase the actual, the arena itself and to show them that this is possible. And not only is the arena net zero carbon already, but um, obviously Amazon is 
is committed to be net zero carbon uh, by 2040 across all of our businesses. So the B2B side is kind of a no brainer. I think the, um, on the consumer side, it's been a blast. We have broad category rights between pharmacy, grocery, music, um, uh, prime video. We like to think some out of the box integrations. I mean, we don't want, one of the things that we, right when I got in and we were talking about how do we bring this to life, the question was, hey, is this just going to be a climate? Uh, are we going to just talk about sustainability? And it's like, how do you do that in a fun way? You know, you don't want to be Johnny Buzzkill and be like, hey, you know, don't forget to recycle everybody when you're cheering on your Kraken. So we, we're coming up with interesting ways to get fans involved through trivia challenges and, and, um, and prizing. But um, one of the things that we have done is we've created these signature walls, one of which is called the living wall, which is actually becoming like the de facto visual of the climate of the climate pledge arena itself um, and it's about 185 feet long 18 feet high and it's a living breathing testament to what what's possible and it's it's become like the selfie space in in seattle so we're really proud of that and i'll just say one more thing um, one one activation that i really like is um, amazon music we are the we're pre presenting sponsor of the uh, pregame warmups for the Kraken. And what we do to introduce the, the team is we turn the entire bowl into an Alexa. The announcer says, what time is it? And Alexa says, it's time, it's time for warmups with your Seattle Kraken. And the, all the seating, all the uh, LED lights start uh, fluttering in her signature blue. And then we've, we've taken that, playlist and it's available on uh, Alexa at home. So you can actually call up right now if you have an Alexa, the uh, Seattle Kraken warm-up playlist. I'm glad I have my headphones on because otherwise my echo, which is right there, would be would be going, <laughs> what? I, what? I put her on right. mute. <laughs> right, right. You, we want to make sure that you fix that bug, by the way, somehow, <laughs> Mike. Uh, get that, uh, talk to, to Jassy about that. Uh, first of all, I, I want to say that I think it's very cool that, I you know, most arenas, particularly new arenas, have that signature place on them. It's usually something either tied to the team uh, or something tied to the city. The name of the building is Climate Pledge Arena, and that signature spot, that selfie location of it is Living Wall. I think that's, uh, I think that's tremendous that it developed that way, uh, and hopefully it helps, um, you know, kind of tell the story about what the what the venue is. So you talked about this being a big step into the sponsorship direction. Uh, AWS, of course, has had its partnerships um, with a, a variety of leagues um, where they're providing cloud services to. Uh, but this is more of a traditional sponsorship, but done in a very, very unique way. So as you look forward, what type of things uh, do you see possibly coming up? What things have you been tasked with that um, you want to explore or that Amazon as a, as an overall company is maybe looking to explore from a sponsorship standpoint. Sure. Um, so while the climate pledge arena, I think is a, a great, uh, case study and model of how we want to attack a sponsorship and do something in a really big disruptive 
authentic way, you know, add your buzzword. Um, we really, we are, are going forward, we're gonna be looking for more scale. You know, Amazon's about, we're, we're a big company. Um, it takes, we, we have big ambition, big customer base, um, and we, we're a global company and we want to, you know, kind of our, our next play, at least coming out of my group is to, um, to create more scale. And how, how we want to do that is uh, there's a word at, that we use at Amazon um, that we lean into and we embrace as opposed to push it away, the word being peculiar. And we, we are peculiar. <laughs> We, uh, and we own that. Um, we like doing things differently. We uh, we look at things differently. Um, so I, I would say we're looking for things that are peculiar, transformational, um, definitely not off the shelf, and that have uh, that have reach, and that and that matter. At the end of the day, it's not just it. It shouldn't just be about. Um, driving more transactions on .com, getting in more prime signups, but it should, uh, a sponsorship should also demonstrate who we are as a company and what our values are and what some of our positions are. Would you like to sponsor a podcast? If you sponsor the podcast, we will definitely get our cracking on every week. Yeah. I said I said I was looking for scale, Tim. Well, I heard peculiar. Oh, I, I heard words. peculiar. I'll give you. I'll send each of you ten bucks if you leave that in the podcast. I, I think he I think he threw in that you know, and it has reach. He, he remembered because he knew we were going to ask about that when he was talking about peculiar. Well, now is the part, now's the part in the show where we talk about our global audience. Yeah. I, I think I think we have uh, so much in common with Amazon. It's it's we, it's freakish. Yeah, we dominate we dominate India and Sri Lanka because of our talk about cricket. You know, uh, uh, I don't know how big you guys are there. Yeah, I'm a household I'm, name in Sri Lanka. <laughs> so there. Uh, so as as you look for these peculiar, Mike is being so smart not taking any of the bait on this right now. By the way. Yeah. Right. Well, he works, got another, big, he works for a big corporation that's he's like, got you know, another screen set up right next to his PR All right, let's get let's get the train back on the track. Right. So as as you look for these opportunities, Mike, for the ones that are scalable, can we can we expect you to integrate more with other areas of the company, doing more with Prime Video, doing more with Alexa, doing more with AWS and these types of deals. Uh, because, you know, up until this point, the AWS, you know, sponsorships have really been just about AWS, right? Um, will we see more fully integrated partnerships that cut across the organization? Um, very possibly. Um, I think that that is, so keep in mind that um, my team, didn't exist a year and a until I joined, um, and so we really sit within within what we XCM, which is cross category marketing, and we're not part of an individual business line. So, to your point, we we have business lines that have d done deals that whether it's 
Prime Video that's doing a distrib uh, content distribution deal, AWS an enterprise deal. Um, th this, or even our fan shop that's in licensed merchandise. So there are examples all around the company of you know sports related deals. Uh, what we see, what uh, our goal is, is we've been working hard to reach out and uh, and get to know, you know, create relationships across with all other relevant or and potential internal partners. We are not going to um, prescribe that uh, an Amazon one type of uh, type of deal means everyone has to come to the table. If it does not make sense for your your business, then uh, then no one should be forced to the table or frankly forced to whatever po pony up as it were. Um, however, I think we, there's an opportunity for us to connect more dots than have been that have been connected in the past. We a lot of people internally um, call. Amazon a collection of federations. So, uh, and the reason is because we want to be able to stay nimble. And what that does do, however, is it, um, and it facilitates a bias for action, which is one of our leadership principles, bias for action. Sometimes it has the effect of making some cross partnering more challenging. Um, but so my team is making sure that we create relationships we alert, and hopefully this goes both ways. If someone were to come to, um, let's just say Prime Video or AWS with something that there could be a really cool um, branding element to it um, that generally they would say doesn't make sense for my business. Now we've got the connective tissue there to say what makes sense um, to, uh, to partner together on. So Tim mentioned during the introduction, some of the brands you've worked on over time and they're big time, Harley, Heineken, Intel, kind of that legendary consumer facing B2B play that, uh, that, uh, you know, we are all familiar with during those 10 years, um, ran sponsorship activity. So over that time, you know, as you, as you see where we are in the sponsorship world now, what do you see that is, uh, has changed and particularly that you work for a company that is involved in our lives in so many different ways as Amazon is? You know, part of this is an obvious answer in that, I mean, all three of us, um, and hopefully some of our compatriots uh, that are listening um, have been in, in this business for a long time. And we've seen lots of changes. You know, technology has changed everything as far as like the, what players, I mean, some of these, a lot of these companies that are coming in, uh, back back in the day, the categories were so straightforward and they were 100 year old companies. Like there's, you know, you got your tire, you got your bank, you got your soft drink, you got your uh, auto. Um, and now, you know, the with the, with the proliferation of technology companies, what what I'm what I've seen, um, and I won't I won't call anyone out on the properties side, but I would say some properties are. If, if first of all, it's very challenging. I'll admit I don't know if I could figure it out, but not to there, there's a minefield that's created with respect to discrete categories when you're talking about technology companies that overlap and um, are you know, frenemies or 
with co-optition, um, you know, the, and I've seen in the last, say, five years, uh, lots of issues arising on uh, category definitions and territory that I think could have been avoided in the deal-making process. On the flip side, so that's, I think, maybe a, it's a challenge with bringing in, with, with technology companies coming into this area. But on the flip side, what it's, what it's created for, for fans, for brands, um, for experiences, for access to, uh, uh, to content, from even uh, enhancing, you know, IRL um, in real life, Tim, that is, um, in real life experiences, uh, I think, it, and, from, and, and I was just watching something today about, you know, we're, we've been talking about per, in, in broadcast or in streaming purchases for years, and it just never seems to be happening. I think that's coming close. Um, I, I'm loving uh, uh, the um, augmented reality, and that's just becoming more uh, democratized. So um, I, I, I think you know the biggest thing that's changed, and it might sound trite, is you know the the advan the uh, advancement of technology is touching our um, our industry in such a cool way that. Um, you know, I think it's going to, it's just really exciting and, and who knows how high is up. Yeah. I, I'm so old. I thought IRL meant Indy racing league. Yeah. We it was like, did we miss an uh, IRL race this weekend? Um, <laughs> well, every time you go off to me about NFTs, Tim, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, what is he talking? He's definitely not talk, talking about non-fungible tokens. Like, <laughs> so, so for those who are listening, you can tell. Oh, wait a we, minute. I, I, I'm sorry, but an acronym for how we like go about our normal life, like the regular stuff, we have to define it against the virtual life. Yeah, you're and right. There's I'm, VR. It's great. That's right. VR. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, Boomer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, as you can tell, we... Uh, we we kid because we love on this on this program and Mike we were we were going back and forth before the before the recording through some emails and we were going to make make a little bit of fun of you but we're not because we're nice guys at at our core so tell us a little bit about the photography awards that you're going to be judging what what do you bring to the table in terms of qualifications to judge the best in sports photography yeah. Okay, so they're the world's World Sports Photography Awards, okay. which you can actually find by going to www.worldsportsphotographyawards.com. Okay. And so, I, Tim, I knew you would say your your qualifications, Mike, are is that you have two two eyes and a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but, it's got me half the but, job um, of my career. <laughs> but actually, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I don't know what, the, so they, they reached out to me and asked me, that was how I uh, was chosen. And I figured I didn't, I didn't want to question their decision for fear of them rethinking it. So, um, but I, it is uh, an esteemed, I'm an esteemed company. Uh, if you look at the judges on there, um, I was that. in touch with them. 
I was, thank you. I was uh, in touch with them the other day. There, uh, there've been over 7,000 entries. Wow. Um, and it's now closed. And so I should be getting my tranche um, shortly. Well, don't eschew um, that tranche. Yeah. Make sure that you uh, that you right. look at your your photos. www.worldsportsphotographyawards.com. And we will happily showcase winning entries if we're uh, and assuming because of your lofty position on the panel, uh, we'll make sure that we have the access to that. And listen, I'm sure that just since you're a a quality individual living IRL um, all the time with your eyes open that you're, you make a perfect judge, Mike. I think it's, I think you're going to bring a lot to the party. Thank you. Do you, either of you guys have anything that pops into my, I always go right to um, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay over Sonny Liston right. uh, standing over. Uh, you know, I think that the Bobby Orr dive shot, which has been referenced on the show. Brandy um, Chastain uh, on her knees with her, Jersey off with her fist pumped. Anything by Walter Ios Jr. in Sports Illustrated. Uh, certainly, I think we think of you know I do as well. Si as the um, as kind of the the leader in that the 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 one that set the bar where it needs to do, go in greatness. But um, listen, sports is uh, uh, sports is a perfect thing to be looking at because you know sports at its best is all those human emotions and uh, from a photography standpoint i'm expecting that you'll be looking at some pretty uh, pretty amazing pieces yeah i'm looking forward to it well before we let you go we have two questions that we like to ask all our guests mike um, the first one is they're both related to one another but the first one is how did you get your start in the sports um, so I kind of fell into it. Uh, it was not, uh, there wasn't some master plan. I, I wish I could say that I uh, architected uh, my way in. Uh, I was at Pepsi and I was on the Pepsi brand team working on like different flavors and, um, and such and promotions. And we, uh, a guy that was one of our like route guys down in North Carolina was friends with Jeff Gordon. And he just would always get in Jeff's ear about, Hey, you know, why don't you come on over to, you know, to Pepsi? You really like, like those guys with Coke and, um, long story short, he chipped away at barbecues and such. And Jeff wanted to talk to us. And this was like, I mean, way early in Jeff's career. Um, so we went, we talked to him and we said, listen, Jeff, come on over to us. We, we had essentially no NASCAR program at the time. Coke had a whole family of drivers and we, um, we brought Jeff over. So we said, you're going to be our guy. And, um, we leaned into him and he hit the hit victory lane 13 times that year. Um, really pissed, really pissed Coke off. Um, and which is during Cola War days was, you know, part of the <laughs> part of the fun of it. So we we got Jeff, and then in quick succession, uh, did a deal with uh, one of probably our yeah our mutual friend Tom Worcester um, at Major League Baseball. Um, that's when I met Tom, and then uh, with the inaugural year of MLS, 
and U.S. soccer. So in a, in a span of about six months, we had three um, uh, real sports properties. And I raised my hand and suggested, hey, I think we need someone to run these. Uh, we need a Pepsi sports group. And um, for some reason, they listened. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. And what a history it's been so far with more yeah. to be written. So our last question before we let you go, what one piece of advice do you have for somebody who's looking to break into the industry? So on your 20th episode, it's I'm sure you guys are listening for like, what's the new idea here? Because um, I probably don't have anything too new to add. Um, to me, it's like it's all about resilience, um, networking. This is such an industry where relationships are just first of all they're amazing i mean the the friends and business colleagues the, the business colleagues often become friends in this uh in this industry um you know hustle uh, you know if you're going going for a high paying job in banking or pe or medicine you know it's tough to outsmart the next guy if you don't have that uh, but uh you can always out hustle the next guy and it it makes me think of at the sports awards last week I was at this table and there were um, six, of, uh, six of us at the table, two, you know, two couples all talking. And this, you know, I call him kid sat down. He was alone. He was, I think like 22, a year out of college. He sat down, he was not uh, afraid at all or, uh, you, you know, nervous. He just sat down and just kind of like stuck his hand out and said, Hey, I'm Luke. And this, this guy's real name is Luke. I can't remember his last name, but, uh, and he just put himself right in there. You could tell this guy's going places. He's just, you know, he was networking. He's like, what goes on? What's going on after this? We're going to, you know, you guys want to go out? And <laughs> it was just so refreshing. I was like, so I would say be like Luke. Um, he, he, he also said that his, he just graduated from college and he and all his buddies said they wanted to get into sports and no one had done it. He was the only one that done it, and they're all je jealous. And he said they sat on their butts, and he sent out a hundred letters and talked to everyone he could. So breaking in, um, I, you just have to really go after it and hustle and network and not take not take no for an answer. Tim, I think we need to make sure that Luke listens to the show. What do you think? Yeah. He'll be taking over for us at some point. It sounds like he bartends down on the L in the LES. So, hey, Mike, Mike. unbelievable uh, chat with you. Uh, congrats on all the success and landing at uh, at Amazon, and of course on Climate Pledge Arena, uh, winning Sports Facility of the Year. It really is a pretty impressive place, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting there to take something in soon. So, thank you. Really appreciate you sharing your time and insights. Sure, I'd love to host you guys. Come on out. Done. Another road trip book. Let's do it. We'll take it on the road. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Take care. So thank you again to our guest, Mike McCann from Amazon. Mike had some great insights into Amazon strategy on partnerships. Can't wait to see uh, what they do going forward. But Now's the time in the show, David, where we look forward to um, what's going on in the week ahead. So what's on your mind? What are you looking for or at or towards? Well, 
you know, NCAA lacrosse semifinals and, <laughs> and finals, of course. But uh, going to be a bit of a fan this weekend. It is Champions League final, UEFA Champions League final on Saturday, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern. My favorite team, Liverpool FC, uh, taking on Real Madrid from La Liga, uh, which features one of my favorite players in Luka Modric. Uh, I'm pulling for Liverpool, though, and, uh, um, you know, get them three of the of the quad that they were looking for, which they didn't uh, they couldn't complete because uh, they lost an unbelievable. They won um, this weekend. But of course, uh Manchester City came back in from a 2-0 deficit and yeah. uh, ended up winning. To it's just an unbelievable end to the to the Premier League this which year. Is, yeah, which is uh, which is always fun. that that last weekend of Premier League football is always fun to watch. And interestingly, that that match Liverpool Real Madrid will be on a streaming service, right? It'll be on Paramount Plus. So again, another major sporting event only being offered through a streaming service and we'll, we'll continue to see that yeah it's big big sports weekend right besides the uefa champions league you've got the nba and the nhl playoffs continuing right the indy 500 uh you've got nascar at charlotte uh, a lot of fun stuff to do yeah by the way the nhl playoffs as the stanley cup playoffs have been great like always and the nba playoffs have been uh, uh awesome as well and uh we are looking forward to a uh, guests talk a little more hockey um, coming up here next week. Yeah, uh, uh, kudos to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, they 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 are uh, looking to do what no team has done since my beloved Islanders did. Uh, sports business award winner for best franchise. Uh, really, really solid organization. No doubt dis- about it. Dismantled the Panthers, who had a phenomenal regular yeah. season. All right. Well, with that, let's say goodbye to all of you who are listening. Uh, We thank you for sticking with us for 20 episodes. Um, If you like us, share us, comment, give us feedback. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. And um, with that, I'll say goodbye and have a great week. 